Welcome back to another episode of the Shula Bowl podcast brought to you by Five Reasons Sports. This is our special bowl preview. You may have heard our buddy David Hondel mention in the previous podcast that we're going to do a special in-depth bowl breakdown with just the reporters. I've got my buddy from the Palm Beach Post, Mr. Jake Elman. Jake, I, I, is it that point of the year like uh, like the rest of us were kind of exhausted and just uh, trying to catch our breath, trying to hang on? Please help me. <laughs> Too many bowls. And we're and still it, and we're still two weeks out from the college football playoffs. <laughs> for, no, for, for the, no, you know what? You're right. It is that time of year. It's almost Christmas. It's almost Hanukkah. It's almost New Year's. But we have one game left. FAU plays SMU in the Boga Bowl. FIU plays Arkansas State in the Camilla Bowl. Is that yes, correct. That is yes. the good. All right. Nailed it. All right. All right, so and they both play Saturday. So after this, the next time we will be talking on a game week, will I would think it would be September 2020. So Eric, this is a big week. <laughs> it is a big week, and you know, I, my my sympathy for Jake is a, kind of dwindles a little bit because of the fact that. He's got the Boca Bowl, so he's at home. It's another, you know, home trip for him. He gets to park in the uh, lovely FAU parking garage, and it is very lovely, by the way. I, I mean that in all sincerity. But I have to make the seven-hour drive to Montgomery, Alabama, which isn't that bad. I mean, it's a four-and-a-half-hour drive to Miami in the first place, but uh, it's just a, a little bit of a shorter commute for Jake. So I, I, my my level of sympathy for him is just a little bit smaller than, a, than it probably would be outside of that. But, you know, those of you listening, you don't listen to hear us, you know, uh, complain and moan about going to cover football games. You want to hear about the two bowl games. You know, we've got a, a six and six FIU team and the conference USA champion FAU team. So we'll go ahead. Uh, I will let Jake open it up here and I'll just give you a, I figure we're kind of doing a free flowing kind of form here. You know, Jake, uh, I, I won't get into specifics of media. I'll let you just kind of open it up. Your first initial thoughts on this bowl game, FAU and SMU, a matchup of the Sun Belt. Wow, let's try this again. You can tell I'm tired. A matchup of Conference USA <laughs> and the American Conference. It is not the Sun Belt. In a previous incarnation, it was the Sun Belt. But, Jake, take it away, my man. What you got? Yeah, so I think when this bowl game was announced, before then, I think that we kind of knew deep down FAU was staying in the state of Florida for a bowl game, whether it was the Boca Bowl or was the Gasparilla up in Tampa, which does have an in-state team, but it's UCF, which is another conversation to have. So the initial reaction was, okay, we're in the Boca Bowl again, whatever. I think there were some FAU fans, well, not some. There were a good amount who weren't happy about it. And then you start to realize, okay, SMU – they're a 10-win team. If they use a 10-win team, and I said this on the other episode, I think this is the only non-New Year's 6 slash college football playoff game this bowl season between two 10-win teams. So, And it's on ABC. So this is a good chance for FAU to get some extra national exposure. They're doing against an SMU team that was ranked for a good amount of this season. I think they, were, they got as high as 15th in the polls. So... It's a good test for FAU. Um, I said it on the other episode. It's been a little tough getting 
excited about this game. I think that's just because so much other stuff has been going on. You have the recruiting. You have Willie Taggart getting here. You have Lane Kiffin leaving. But come Saturday, I think we're in for a good game. And, Eric, I w- I've been thinking about this the past couple of days. Even if FIU is 6-6, six and six, and even if I'm going to keep complaining that there might be too many bowls, this is kind of the bowl game, them playing Arkansas State, that from afar I think I'd be really interested in. This is a unique matchup, and it's one that, if I remember right, FIU fans got to see regularly when both were in the Sun Belt. You are correct. I actually, you know, when I was typing up my game preview and my game preview will be out uh, uh, at Underdog Dynasty and at SB Nation later on the week, probably closer to Thursday or Friday. But when I was typing it up, I was actually getting ready to type no previous matchups. And I had totally forgotten that these two teams have played seven previous times. Actually, um, is seven or eight. My memory's uh, failing me right now. But there's one matchup that Arkansas State had to forfeit, uh, vacate, I should say, due to NCAA violations. So uh, Arkansas State actually leads the matchup. I believe it's five games to two. I believe they've played eight times. So yes, they have played a lot in a, in a previous life in the Sun Belt. That's why I get myself mixed up. But what you have to like about this matchup, and maybe I'm a little more fired up about it than than you know, Jake is about his bowl game. I'm a little more fired up about this because I think this is really a true test when you get a, a top 20 passing offense in Arkansas State versus the six-ranked pass defense and fewest passing yards allowed in FBS football in terms of the Panthers. And you know, for Panther fans listening, I know you guys should know this, that those numbers are a little bit skewed based off the fact that the run defense hasn't been as good as you know, Panther fans would have liked. As a matter of fact, it's been worse than it has been last year. And then when you take into account games like Middle Tennessee State, where Asher O'Hara only threw for 25 yards, but the Middle Tennessee State ran for 471. So you know that numbers are skewed a little bit. But that aside, it's not that there isn't a talented FIU secondary guys like Stanley Thomas Oliver. Richard and Rashard Dames, Isaiah Brown, Josh Turner, you know, Olin Cushion, uh, you know, Dorian Hall. You can name a bunch of guys back there. And I think it's going to be a true test to see how they can compete against arguably a, a top five receiver in the nation in Arkansas State's Omar Bayless, who actually today, as we're recording this, was named to an All-American team. I believe it was named a third team AP All-America. And he is Sunbelt's, excuse me, the Sunbelt Conference's player of the year hauling in 84 receptions for 1400 yards and 16 touchdowns. So I'm, I'm pretty fired up to see how that matchup will go because this is arguably going to be, uh, or I shouldn't even say arguably I'll go on a limb and say, this is going to be the best receiver that FIU has faced all year. So definitely excited to see how that matchup plays out. And, you know, this is just my curiosity, Jake, from the FAU perspective here, Shane Bouchelle, you know, he's a guy who fans may know, college football fans may know him from his time at the University of Texas, started as a true freshman, had some success, but ended up getting beaten out by Sam Ellinger and now finds himself at SMU. Uh, Two-part question for you. One, is this probably going to be the best quarterback, arguably, because you can look at Ohio State or even look at Dylan Gabriel, but is this one of the better quarterbacks that FAU will face all year? And then two, what type of challenge will the FAU secondary face in trying to slow down Bouchelle and James Prochet, who, eh, for my money, is the best receiver in the American? Yeah, um, no disrespect to my man Shane, but Justin Fields is probably the best quarterback FAU face here. I don't know why you're putting Dylan Gabriel in there, you biased UCF fan. <laughs> Um, you know, this game I think is going to be a shootout, which means it's going to end 20 to 17. SMU is averaging 43 points per game, 
And they're facing an opportunistic Glenn Spencer FAU defense that for a lot of the season made their name and, okay, we're going to bend, but we're not going to break because we're going to bail our defense out with turnovers, you know, red zone interceptions, forced fumbles, four down stops. And the past month or so, really, since, I mean, it all started against FIU, coincidentally. FAU's defense, the starters have played really well. They've given up a touchdown here or there, but they've forced turnovers. They've limited I think that this bodes well for FAU against Buchel. I think that the one – well, there's two problems. The first is the layoff. FAU played December 7th, and they're going to play two weeks later. So it's not a super heavy layoff. It's like having a bye week. It's not like the teams that play November 30th, and then they don't play until December 28th. It's not a super long layoff. And then the other problem is – all due, all due respect to the quarterbacks that they faced, Jack Abraham, great quarterback of USM, he had a bad day. UTSA switched quarterbacks. James Morgan did well, but there were other issues in that game that I don't think we need to get into. B, not great. Ty's story was fine. So it's been a while since FAU has really played a dangerous quarterback who has lit them up. I guess Ty Story would be the last guy, and even then, he it wasn't really him. It was Lucky Jackson. So this will be interesting. Uh, you know, now that we're talking about it, okay, I'm starting to get a little excited about this game. It's been a while since we've really seen FAU get locked into a competitive game. The last one was Western, so it's been a little bit. Will the game be competitive? I definitely think so. Do I think it will be like the USM game where FAU eventually pulls away? I don't I don't know. I think that this will be tight the whole time. I'm glad I was able to somehow sneak out a little bit of enthusiasm from you about this game, Jake. First off, uh, <laughs> uh, it's funny you mentioned that the, uh, the, the last competitive quarterback they may have played was a tight story game. That was the game that I made my uh, FAU debut over there at Irishman. Watched that game from the uh, lovely bar over there. So I did get a chance to see that Lucky Jackson did a lot of damage and Ty Story chucked up, you know, a couple picks for uh, for Miko Dotson and those guys to have. But also right. the other thing I'd like to say, as you uh, shot down my Dylan Gabriel point, you know, it's these podcasts mm-hmm. when it's just you and I, buddy, that this should be our safe place where we don't have to uh, endure the uh, constant barrage of mm-hmm. shooting down of point from our fellow co-host uh, Shane Marinelli. So I'm a little disappointed that you uh, you didn't cut me off. You didn't go with a straight, Jake, this is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, 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 somebody has to call out your UCF points because here's the thing. Are UCF fan? Where are the UCF fans? Quiet these past few weeks. We need college football Twitter, and this is coming from the curmudgeon who, who hates everything. It is a much better place when you have the UCF fans being super passionate and when you have Marshall fans being super passionate. All the group of five fans need to be super passionate, and hopefully – Especially for the bulk of all, because it's at home, we see that we see that translate into a decent showing attendance wise. I don't know how great it will be. David and I were talking about this. Saturday will be tough because you're going up against an NFL triple header. You're going against a couple bowl games. It's a three thirty kick. 
There was rain in the forecast. Uh, There's still – oh, now it's saying that thunderstorms might be in the forecast. What was the bowl game last year that they canceled in, like, the first quarter because of, of uh, the more Yeah. Water? Yeah, what was that? Um, was that the was that, was that was that the potato bowl? You know uh, what, man? You you might be right. I've we'll looked it up on the fly because I do remember the game. Uh, I actually remember I was where was I when I when that happened? But I remember thinking it was bizarre that the uh, they just canceled the game in the first quarter. Oh, I, I know why I said it was the potato bowl because Boise State was in it. I, okay. I don't know why I made that. I don't know why I made that connection, but it was the first responder bowl in Dallas. It was Boston College, Boise State, and they called it because of all the lightning delays, and they called it a no contest. Wouldn't that suck if that's what the Boca Bowl winds up being? What's the weather supposed to be like in uh, Alabama? It is supposed to be, you know, last I checked, it's supposed to be something like 55 degrees and overcast. So, you know, kind of typical football weather, not anything too bad. Um, but right. you mentioned that, you know, that would suck. And I remember that being my first kind of thought when that happened last year that, you know, you got these kids playing in their last game and, you know, the emotions just, you know, not even a quarter into the damn game and it's canceled. So uh, I, I do remember that. Um but uh, and and also really quick, you know, I just want to state this for the record again because I know we're going to get to that point where uh, I mentioned Dylan Gabriel because I, I thought he was a solid quarterback on FAU schedule. That's nothing to do with my bachelor's degree reading University of Central Florida, and I know with UCF and FIU scheduled to play next year, I'm going to get those jabs throughout the off season. So I just want to state that for the record. But um, as I transition back into the uh, the Arkansas State Red Wolves here, a really key point. Uh, of, uh, of, I don't want to say key point of contention, but it's a really interesting nugget here that I think FIU fans should take note of is that Arkansas State sixth year head coach Blake Anderson, uh, you know, people, college football fans may be familiar with him due to the, uh, the tragedy this year with his, his wife Wendy passing away due to cancer. But uh, he's actually been around the block for quite a few years prior to his time at Arkansas State. He was the offensive coordinator in North Carolina under Larry Fedora. And the reason I'm bringing that up is because FIU cornerbacks coach Bryn Renner was actually his quarterback for two years in North Carolina. So if anyone's going to have an inside track into learning this, you know, kind of fast break, fast pace, spread attack that Blake Anderson was looking to employ, who better than the quarterback who ran that system in North Carolina? So uh, Bryn Renner will be there and he will be able to give provide his insight as well as Drew Davis, who was a walk on in North Carolina before transferring to Ole Miss. So for FIU fans, and I tweeted this out, I believe it was last week, they really have kind of an inside track and getting a chance to know this offense, which was once again, one of the top 30 offenses in all of college football in terms of passing yards, uh, points scored per game, as well as uh, um, um, not rushing yards, but total yards per game. There we go. Excuse me. And one of the things you have to look at is their quarterback in Lane Hatcher, who he's a redshirt freshman, he's a transfer from the University of Alabama, was actually recruited by Arkansas State coming out, chose the bigger school in Alabama and decided to make his way back home as he's an Arkansas native. But one of the things he's been able to do is he's took over for uh, Logan Bonner, who broke his thumb about five games into the year. And Lane Hatcher, in just nine games that he start that he started, excuse me, he's thrown for 2,500 yards and 23 touchdowns en route to being named Sunbelt Conference Freshman of the Year. And one of the things that you will see is that he's going to push the ball downfield. And this offense 
he's averaging 10 yards per attempt, which is, you know, an outstanding number, especially for a young quarterback like that. So look for the FIU DBs to be tested early. And I know that FIU fans will obviously have questions about Arkansas State's run game, seeing as how that's been the Panthers kind of Achilles heel all year. Their primary running back is a sophomore named Marcel Murray, who, uh, like I said, in this offense is primarily a passing attack. So uh, I believe Murray's run for about 780 yards this year. He's crossed the 100-yard mark twice, and uh, the major thing is that when he gets his attempts, he is a productive running back. You know, in the uh, uh, he's averaging about 17 yards, excuse me, 17 attempts per game. So, you know, in the in the excuse me, in his career, the four times that he's had over 20 carries, he's gotten over 100 yards. So it's not that he's not capable of uh, running the football; it's just the fact that this is normally a pass-heavy offense. So that'll be the major thing when you look at this matchup here is really going to be the matchup of the uh, Arkansas State offense versus the FIU defense. And then I'm going to toss it back to Jake here and ask him this question. Just from an overall perspective in this bowl game, uh, first things first, there are no players that you anticipate will be skipping due to uh, NFL potential, correct? Harrison Bryant, we have not been told yet we're recording this Tuesday night we don't know officially yet what his plans are I asked Glenn Spencer who's serving as the interim coach on Monday if there was a deadline both for him and for game planning purposes when Harrison or anybody else would say that would need to say to him hey I'm not planning on playing and Glenn said no but he said Harrison has earned the right to do whatever so I don't think we're going to see Harrison Bryant it wouldn't make sense for him to play in this game. There's too much at risk. I don't think he should play. I don't think Rashad Smith should play either. But it sounds like Rashad is going to play as of now. But Harrison, I would be surprised if he played. Okay, so I'm glad you crossed that off right there because that's going to kind of lead me into my second point. And you and I kind of talked about this off here just in our group chat, but we'll bring it here to the uh, to the podcast kind of big picture here you know i i guess i am a a little bit higher in terms of hey a win here for fau now granted it is not going to make them a top 25 team or anything like that you know they've already won 10 games so they have that crossed off but i just feel like heading into the willie taggart era it would be a nice you know kind of feather in the cap for glenn spencer uh, and it's kind of the program overall to uh get that win correct me if i'm wrong 11 wins would be a program record correct it would tie the the 11 wins they had two years ago, I think it would be, I think it would tie a single season record. Okay. So, you know, kind of have that opportunity to be, you know, right there with the uh, 2017 team, the one led by Devin Singletary as one of the best, uh, if not, you know, arguably the best in FAU program history. I think that's something to be excited about. And I think it kind of gives them a a lot of momentum heading to the off season. I know you were kind of so-so on that. So I'll let you elaborate on that, you know, a little bit here. Well, first off, I honestly think that FIU has more at stake in their bowl game than FAU does. And part of that is just FAU has taken care of business. They have 10 wins. They won the conference. They have a AP consensus All-American in Harrison Bryan who won the Mackey. FIU is 6-6. Six and six. Winning that seventh game and going into the offseason of what we've – openly called a frustrating and underwhelming year and just saying despite all of that we finished seven and six i think that would be huge for the program by the way the 11 wins would tie a program record i couldn't remember if the 2003 fcs team had 11 or 12 they had 11 
So FAU would tie 03 and 17 with 11 wins. But yeah, I, I agree that this would be the feather in the cap. It would be a great way to send the seniors off. It would be a great first coaching victory for Glenn Spencer at the FBS level because this would count. See, now you really are starting to get me a little hyped about this game. <laughs> I, I still think FIU has more at stake. Like I said, just because seven and six as opposed to six and seven. But this is not a bad game for FAU. And the other thing is you losing a lot of the seniors and you have a new coaching staff coming. You at least have a new head coach and most likely a new running backs coach coming in. And we'll see what happens in some of the other positions. You take a guy like TJ Young at safety or maybe one of the younger receivers, somebody like Brandon Robinson who could get more snaps. Excuse me, this is an audition. This is a chance for them when they meet with Tagger and the new coaches to say, hey, against an SMU team, even if they let up a lot of yards on defense or you know, even if it was just the bowl game, this is what I did. And this is what I did when I got chances in the regular season too. You see, you know, Jake, that's why I'm here, man. You know, I am kind of that that eternal optimist who can kind of spin it around for you and get you really optimistic about this game. And, and, and honestly, I guess another reason why I am kind of fired up about that game is, once again, I just think that FAU did what they were supposed to do, or not what they were supposed to do, but they did what they what they needed to do, and they took care of business at Conference USA. It's a point that you made, and it's one that I agree with. They won the league. But I still think, okay, while SMU won't be a win over UCF or an Ohio State per se, you talk right. about it off the top. You know, this is a team that was ranked uh, as high as 15 in the nation. So I think that this, I mean, just to be honest, and I don't want to slight Conference USA. I know both of the Conference USA guys, but I think that this would be their best win of the year. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. If, if they're able to get this victory, you know, especially without a Harrison Bryant, you got to think this is their best win of the year. Fair enough. Uh, that's tough because I don't want to make this too long. I kind of feel like the win at Western and how that game went, I think might go down as more important. But, yeah, I mean, I think that this is the first – I can't remember if I said this earlier. I think this would be the first time FAU would have beaten an FBS team that was ranked Earlier that season, I think they did it at the FCS level once or twice. But this would be uh, this would be co- uh, cool and good for FAU. I just think the con. I mean, and Lane Kevin said when he was here, our goal is to win the conference. So that sure. Western sure. that Western win going down fourteen nothing early, and then Kiki Leroy stepping up and Chris Robinson having a great game, and then forcing all the turnovers and James Pierre picking off Ty story after WKU blocks the kick like that to me is probably the most important and it might've been the best, but I I've said it for months and I've said it for years. It's all about narrative. So Saturday's game, if Saturday's game against SMU was a great game, 38-34, 42-40, whatever. It's close. It's tight. Even if FAU loses, is there a chance that we could say it was the best game of the year? Sure. If FAU wins and that's the case, 
Sure, same thing. Now you, wow, now you are getting me excited. <laughs> I'm fired up, baby. <laughs> me and my monotone, we're fired up. I'm here for the Cherubundi Boca Raton Bowl. Really quick, Jake, you know what kind of swag they're giving away uh, for the media? <laughs> I have, I have no clue. I just hope that they feed us at the luncheon this year. <laughs> it, it's funny. One of the stories two years, I, I – Go ahead, go ahead, Jake. No, I was going to say two years ago they had the luncheon at the West Palm Convention Center, and which is not far from the post office. So I'm there, and a couple other people are there, and we go in, and we're going to go sit in the ballroom, and they're like, "What are you doing?" Oh, we're going to sit. Oh, well, there's no seating for media. Oh, well, can we have food then? No. So. We're sitting outside on cushions, and the FAU staffer is sneaking us cookies. That was, you know what? That was that was going to be my defining memory of the Boca Bowl, and then Lane Kiffin had to go and ruin it when he agreed to a ten-year contract slash six-year contract extension, and the FAU fans were chanting at the end, 10 more years, ten more years." Well, they got two, so good enough. <laughs> It, it, it's funny. I, I was going to say I will not name the bowl because um, I do not want to get myself or anyone else in trouble. But there was a bowl where uh, the <laughs> the the swag and, and for, for those of you listening, there are bowls where, you know, if you cover one of the uh, the New Year's six bowls, you know, media are getting all kinds of stuff like it. stuff that I mean, I, I have a friend of mine who got, you know, beats headphones uh, for covering the peach bowl and stuff like that. But the what? friend of mine. Really? Yeah, uh, it, it, that friend, uh, remember my friend Emily, the one you always see on Twitter, the the one who yes. was yeah, 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 yeah. What's her, her, her name? Is like Eminem, but with two it's M's a, or something like that. Uh, it's it's a MLM, the, the play on okay. uh, Eminem. Yeah, yeah. She got she okay. got beat two years ago, and she covered uh, she covered the Fiesta Bowl last year and got some other swag. Like yeah, so um, but the uh, the friend of mine who covered the bowl will remain unnamed. Uh, they gave everybody five dollar gift cards to like Chick Fil A, and then come to find out the gift cards were expired. So that's my uh, no. Yeah, I just want I just want to clarify. By the way, I'm not trying to take shots at the Boca Bowl. It's a story I've told to people involved with FAU and involved with the event, and we've kind of laughed about it as time has gone on. And it's one of those things that you just kind of roll your eyes at and shrug because you said at the top we're covering college football. There are certain things that eventually it's not worth complaining about, which coming from me is like <laughs> blasphemy. For you guys listening, Jake can com- can complain about any and everything. So for him to say that is uh, a very huge statement in itself. But here was the other oh, question. Oh, about- j- just wait until the new Star Wars movie officially comes out. <laughs> yeah, the uh, Jake, da- Jake, David, and uh, Shane were, you know, filling up the chat with Star Wars talk. And I have seen not one second of a Star Wars movie. I apologize if that's blasphemy to anyone listening. So it's just pure coincidence. Uh, <laughs> that being Who said. Who this man? Who this man? <laughs> hey, you're not, you're not, honestly, you're not missing much. <laughs> with, uh, with that being said, really quick, before we, uh, we wrap this one up and bring it home, I want to ask you this real quick, Jake. Um, do you have any inclination as to who may or may not be left on this staff or left from Lane Kiffin's staff carry over to Willie Taggart's staff? I think that's something that fans might be find of interest. It's early. Um, 
I wouldn't be surprised if receivers coach DJ McCarthy stuck around. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with Charlie Weiss Jr. Because that's one of those things where he's a 26-year-old offensive coordinator. So if – and I have a good relationship with Charlie. If this goes for all coaches, if it's about money, maybe he – maybe the younger coaches angle for an SEC or higher job. But if he has a chance to stick around with Taggart, I think he would. I think that he likes being here. His dad lives up in Wellington, which isn't far at all from FAU. So we'll see what happens. Um, I think there's a couple of off-field staffers that might stick around, guys who maybe don't get a ton of recognition. And I'm not just talking about guys like Jeff Nord, the offensive line coach. I'm talking about Geno Smith, who's – the strength, an assistant strength coach who played at Alabama. He seems to really like it here. Maybe a couple people in ops, but it's too early. Everything is just so fluid, and this is a really tough time of the year. Glenn Spencer was saying this the other day because there's so much uncertainty. It's not like it's not like if Glenn Spencer became the and he didn't explicitly say this. And I don't think this is what he was going for. But if he was named the interim coach or if he was named the full-time coach, he would at least be able to have a better idea. And he could probably start saying to guys now, you know, hey, 100% I'm keeping you. Now, there's all that uncertainty because it's a new co- new head coach, potentially new ops people. It's tough, man. And Christmas is a week away. You know, that's that's ultimately a great point. I, I think I saw uh, Janine Edwards made that point on Twitter about, you know, these things are never easy. You know, being a, a coach's wife or, you know, being a part of a, a coach's family and to make all these transitions, not only during recruiting season, but during the holidays is always tough. Uh, I know you had a quick question, Jake. What you want to what you want to shoot? Yeah. I, yeah. So you had mentioned Blake Anderson earlier and what happened with him losing his wife earlier this year. And I want to stress for everybody. We do not have – we are not in the press box rooting for FAU and FIU. We may have a slight rooting interest in the result in terms of how it affects our coverage and our stories because it is a lot more fun to cover a winning team than it is a losing team. But we are not explicitly sitting up there with uh, signs and hats saying, go FAU, go FIU. I bring this up because – If I had no connection to FIU, which I do through this podcast, I would be tempted to root for Arkansas State a lot more than I would FIU because I really like the Blake Anderson story, and I think it's something that resonates with a lot of people. And my question is, is there a part of you as a college football fan that can say to yourself, I wouldn't be upset if FIU lost because it'd be Blake Anderson, Arkansas winning. It's just one of those things where the storyline kind of takes over. Yeah, I just want to say, it's funny you mentioned that, Jake. It's a really key point you make, and I think it's one that we understand it as reporters and journalists and maybe fans don't. Uh, so I'm just going to repeat what you said off the top. We don't go into games rooting necessarily for FAU or FIU. 
it's a really key point you make about, yes, it is a lot more fun, you know, uh, covering a, a winning team because having to cover a losing uh, FIU team and you guys have probably seen me, you know, deadpan on Twitter about the uh, wait for a Butch Davis press conference when, you know, after a two lane, it's not fun. But to answer your question in specificity, um, it's a really good question. I think that, I think because, you know, I'm so neutral when it comes to games itself, I don't have that rooting interest, whether it's for FIU or for Arkansas State. I'll put it to you like this. If you asked me this question independent of covering FIU, I would say yes. Um, it'd be nice to see, you know, Blake Anderson uh, finish his season with a win, especially with, you know, the way things started during the year and the fact that it takes some time away from the team. And anyone who hasn't seen the story, I would recommend go YouTube it, you know, ESPN did it on, on college game day. It's a phenomenal story. Um, but I think being a reporter and covering this team, it's kind of hard for me to go that far as to say, I have a necessarily a, um, a rooting interest or maybe that I'd like to see Arkansas state close up with a win just because, and you know, this Jake, you become so not necessarily close, but when you get a chance to see, you know, these kids from these programs up close and personal, just as much as, you know, I, from a personal level, an emotional level, of course, you can sympathize and empathize with Blake Anderson and his story. But I can also mm-hmm. empathize with, with an Anthony Jones who, you know, everyone knows his story of being, you know, injured in a drive-by shooting. I can empathize with a Stanley Thomas Oliver who, you know, had to buy into having a position switch or, you know, uh, um, a Maurice Alexander who, you know, his nickname is Hard Time. Uh, the reason his nickname is Hard Time is because his, uh, his umbilical cord that when he was born was wrapped around his neck. And he had to uh, had to had to had to <clears throat> excuse me had to uh, fight that off just to kind of survive. So uh, there's a bunch of stories that I can find, you know, with kids that I cover that uh, maybe relate to me just as much, if not more, than the Blake Anderson story. It's not to denigrate him losing his wife. It's that I don't cover. Right. No, no, I, I get I get what you mean. That's a great point, and I think every team has those stories. I mean, you have guys on FAU that have come from bad environments. You have. I mean, and obviously you have guys like Tim Bonner who were dismissed from previous schools for one reason or another. I mean, Tim Bonner was at Louisville and they threw him out really with no evidence because of an allegation he had a gun in his dorm. And he's become a very good player at FAU. And I, if he had, I think he was a little banged up at the end of the year, but he was on pace a lot of the year to maybe make all conference. Like, I don't think he was all conference honorable mention, but yeah, um, you make a really good point. Before, uh, before we wrap it up, a couple days out, what's your prediction for the Camilla Bowl? Here's what I've got. You know, it's really going to come down from the FIU side of things. Uh, it's going to come down to group matchups. You know, can they, can the defensive secondary play well against that high powered passing attack? And should Arkansas State choose to run the football? Can they stop them? Arkansas State's a team that's struggled offensively uh, on the offensive line. They've allowed 37 sacks this year, and the run game hasn't been that much better. So it's just a matter from a group perspective of doing all those things. I know Arkansas State came to this game favored. But if FIU can play their best game and James Morgan is healthy, which by all accounts he is, I will give you a prediction of FIU victory, something by this, you know, the vein of a 31 to 21 type game. How about you on the uh, FAU side of things? Well, I was going to say I have FIU winning 27-21. Okay. And, okay. and I have FAU in the shootout 
I was thinking about this earlier. I picked the spread and the winner for every game this year. I'm 11-2 picking the winner. Thank you, UCF, and thank you, Marshall. I am 10-3 picking the spread. Thank you, UAB, and thank you, Wagner. Why didn't I take – I should have had more faith in FAU a couple weeks ago. Anyway, give me FAU winning 41-38. Uh, I think it will be a shootout, but whatever. End of the year, I've been picking FAU almost every, almost all year. I'm sticking with them. All right, guys, you heard it here first. Jake is predicting a shootout, and not only is he predicting a shootout, I have him fired up for the Cherry Bundy Boca Raton Bowl. I always struggle with Cherry Bundy, but nevertheless, you've got FAU and the Cherry Bundy Boca Raton Bowl, and you have FIU and the Camellia Bowl. Both teams are bowling, so we couldn't have asked for a better matchup or at least a better result to the end of the year in that regard. Thank you for listening. Once again, you can find the Shula Bowl podcast at Shula Bowl Pod on Twitter at Five Reasons Sports. You can find it on iTunes and Spotify. Thank you for listening. Happy football watching, and we will catch you on the flip side.